Well, welcome. This is our second week of Culture Wars, and you may be wondering, why are we speaking on culture? Well, if you didn't know, we are actually in a culture war right now, and all of us here can't live in these four walls. It'd be nice at times to just live within these four walls, but we believe that as shepherds of the flock, our job is to actually empower you and equip you with the word of God so that you can actually go outside of these four walls and face a culture that is not kingdom culture. Who's noticed that? The culture that we're living in right now is not kingdom culture. So our job is to actually help you to face the culture that you are living in because we're not going to actually pretend that we're not living in a culture that's different to kingdom culture. And so we need to empower and equip you so that you have the word of God on the inside of you so that you can help others around you to say, well, this is actually what the Bible says and this is why. Because we can't actually pretend that things aren't happening. We can't stick our head in the sand and pretend because it won't go away. So that's why our job as pastors is actually to equip the saints. That's what the word says, to equip the saints so that you can actually live a life in this world because you live in this world, right? You can't not live in this world, but you are not of this world. So therefore, our culture is very different to the culture that we now live in. So this morning, it's actually amazing timing because we'd been thinking about asking Jody to come for a long time and it just so happens that Roe v. Wade has been overturned in that time. So it was brilliant timing. It was God timing, actually, that we had already invited, had talked about inviting you to come and speak. Now, um, Jody is the director of Love Adelaide, and you know we've, a lot of us here have supported the walks. There have been, how many, so three? Three Love Adelaide pro-life walks. Yes, four and four around the Woodville area including that one. So that's been an amazing to see how much that has grown and the timing of all of that. And so she's just actually um, come back from America and been right in the midst of everything that has been going on. So she's actually going to share with us this morning about why it's so important that the church has a voice and stands for pro-life. It's so important that we, as the church, stand for pro-life because who knows that the Bible is pro-life, <laughs> right? Jesus is life. He is life and he is truth. And if anyone this morning has been affected by um, the abortion issue, we're going to pray healing um, this morning. So this is not about condemnation for there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But this is about healing and this is about us as a church understanding how important this, this issue is and how, how God's heart, you know, it says that we should love the things that, love, that God loves and we should hate the things that God hates. And his heart is breaking right now for this issue. And we have a problem right now in the church because we even have Christians who don't believe in pro-life. I never thought I would say those words, but that, that's the truth. 
So it's important this morning that we hear the truth on these issues, right? So that we can help others and be the light to our world. So I'm just going to pray for Jodie this morning as she comes up. And her husband Davin is here with her who supports her in everything that she does as well this morning. So let's pray. Mighty God, we pray, Lord God, for open hearts this morning. We pray for healing this morning. And God, we pray for a heart that is your heart. Your heart for the innocent. Your heart for the innocent and those that have been damaged by this issue. And Lord God, we pray that our country will turn back to the truth on this issue. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's just welcome Jody up this morning. Come on, Jody. Alrighty, thank you so much. Um, okay, so I'm going to be working from my notes because if you know me at all, um, I can go off this topic. I can stay on the topic and I can go down a lot of other places. So if I don't stick to what I'm doing, uh, we're going to be all over the place. But um, I want to first um, honour and thank uh, pastors um, Ian and Sharon because this is a rare thing. In fact, it's the first time I've actually had a whole service to speak about this issue. Usually when I come, it's just about talking about coming to the walk and why we would do that and all the things about standing against the termination of pregnancy bill. Um, so uh, I'm a bit nervous about all of that. Um, I, don't, I don't see myself as a preacher at all. Um, so that's why I'm working from my notes. But I do have th some things that I feel like the Lord has shown me, particularly over this last three months of being in the US. So, so here we go. Uh, yeah, next slide. So first of all, I want to uh, start by saying that um, we need to acknowledge that there is a very great hurt that comes from abortion and it's not just women but it's men as well. So in Australia, one in four women in their lifetime will have an abortion. So, and the numbers are no different inside or outside of the church. So there's an incredibly huge amount of hurt and we need to acknowledge that. And uh, we also want to let anybody know who's been affected in any way that there is help. There is help. There really is. Um, and the first place, obviously, is to reach out to those that you trust. You've got wonderful pastors here, but sometimes we need to start something confidentially. And if that's uh, what you would need to do, then I would highly recommend Genesis Pregnancy Support. They have post-abortion uh, counsellors. Many of them themselves have been through abortion and have been healed. Um, but they are trained counsellors as well. Some have not had uh, their own abortion experience. But you'll, you'll realise by the time I finish this that we are all affected by this. It's, it's all of us. We're all affected by this. So, um, yeah, please take note of that. There will be some brochures that you could maybe take at the end um, from this if you need to. Next one. Okay, so here we are in 2022. Abortion was first legalised in Australia right here in South Australia and it passed in December of 1969 and the legislation was enacted on the 8th of January 1970. This is the most tragic legacy that we have in our state and spiritually it's been a disaster for us. At that time we passed the most liberal abortion laws of all Western countries Essentially, abortion on demand, up to 28 weeks of gestation. At that point, that's when viability was. 
Sections of the church at that time gallantly fought to stop this, but because of the propaganda machine, and yes, it was operating even back then, was in full swing and many Christians were deceived, and unfortunately they still are today, and thought that legalising abortion was the, actually the kindest thing to do for those extreme cases. But it was all a smokescreen of lies, which still continues today. It wasn't a slow cultural shift. It was one of the greatest moral changes in our nation. It was abortion on demand, healthy mothers and healthy babies with the option to put self-interest above the life of their child. Prior to this, the seismic moral shift in our culture, uh, adoptions in South Australia were about 400 a year, but in 1970, uh, 1970, that number plummeted in the 30s. I believe it was like 33 or 35. Now, that is not just coming down slowly. That is off the cliff. It's a massive, massive shift. In 1971... Australia peaked with all adoptions because, of course, at 71, not every state had done what we'd done, but it quickly went around our country. And in 1971, we had 10,000 adoptions. You know where we are today? In, in South Australia, the number is between zero and three on average. And last year, across Australia, we had 222 local adoptions. So we have flown off this cliff and we know that um, adoption uh, is God's idea. You know, it's ideally to stay with our natural families, of course, but he's adopted us. You know, this was his idea, and to come into a loving family is his idea, and we need to think about how we can do that better. We also know the foster system needs a great... That's another whole subject I could go down. Okay, we are currently living through the greatest human tragedy of all time, the sin of shedding of innocent blood through the practice of abortion. And there is 1.5 billion, it's not million, billion babies that have been aborted worldwide across the last 50 years. To let that sink in is almost overwhelming. It, we, can't, we can't get our heads around it. In Australia, it's about 80,000 per year. And in South Australia, it's about 4,500 per year. So when you equate that out, that's 82 a week. So this week, 82 children had their lives taken through the practice of abortion and it's, and it's a gruesome death. They're, they're, they're mostly pulled apart. It's dismemberment. Um, it, it's the most shocking, violent, brutal thing. And, uh, yeah, 82 next week and the week after. It's, it's, a, it, it's a very serious thing. So the overturn of Roe v Wade by the US Supreme Court is a, was and is a public declaration that the highest court of the land got it wrong. They have repented and made it right. This has only happened one other time in US history and that was the abolition of slavery. So this is the level we're speaking about. We are living through history and it's actually remarkably amazing. And we didn't think this would happen in our lifetime, but it is. God is on the move. He's listening to us. Our prayers are being heard. This ruling has given the US what Australia already has, ironically. So all these uh, people out on the streets protesting, it, all it's done is actually allowed what we already have, which is legislation by individual states. It didn't actually turn anything instantly by, from the top down. It goes back to the states in the US. But behind the scenes, America, would we're, we're saying it probably 20 years ahead of us in this. We, we were saying 10, but it's not. It's likely 20. 
that decades now um, the US has been electing good people into positions to legislate and, and laws in 13 states had already previously been passed in the hope of this day. So those laws are now all being triggered and that is what they're freaking out about. There's likely another 13 that are going to do it fairly quickly the same. So we've got half the United States that are moving in this incredible direction of righteousness again. So this is why it's really important to engage with politics and it's a vital part of turning back to God. But politics alone is not the answer. It's something we must do. But if we think that that's the answer, we're going we're to fail. And it's failed before in history when this is what we've done, when we've looked to that as the answer. Yep, next one. So this is going to be my attempt at sharing with you what I've learned over the past 15 years of spending time in pro-life ministries. After my radical salvation, my husband and I both together in 2006, um, I was invited by a friend to join the volunteer team at Genesis Pregnancy Support that presented in high schools the relationship and sex education. During our training, we sat through the procedure videos for the different gestational abortions. To say that it rocked my world is, is probably the, the biggest understatement you could possibly make. Um, fundamentally, I knew what abortion was, and I'm sure you all do too, um, but to visibly see it, it's something that I can't ever unsee or unknow. And at that point, I had to actually think deeply about what I was going to do with now what I knew. So if you've never researched these procedures, then I highly recommend you do it. Uh, we can no longer put our heads in the sand uh, because it's too distressing to face. We must face this. Our state has just legislated abortion up to birth. And in fact, last Thursday was the enactment of it. The, the 7th of July, 2022. It's in the history books now as that other date. When I said January the 8th, 1970. This is a date in our history um, that is now, we can now legally perform an abortion up to the moment of birth. This is where we're at. And that procedure is so, I mean, every part of, there's four different procedures and they are all so gruesome. But I, I really, my heart went out into this one in an amazing way because I've, I've actually delivered a stillborn baby. I know what it's like to be in the delivery room and your child is lifeless. No noise, no crying. You know, it's something that is, uh, took me a very long time to, to work through. And I know that there is no way that we are helping women by offering her that option. You know, we need to deliver her baby. Something seriously is going wrong for her at that moment um, and she needs us to support her. What sort of society would offer that as the solution? It is, it is not a society that I want to live in, you don't want to live in, and it's certainly not God's way. So here, you can screenshot this um, because, of course, if you want to go looking for any of this, it's a lot harder now. YouTube will um, make it difficult for you to find. But if you actually uh, Google um, Dr. Anthony Levitino, abortion procedures, first, second and third trimesters, you'll come to this video. And this, go, this is what we watched. It's not um, live um, abortions. It's actually graphics. They actually show it to you in a graphic way like little graphics, like cartoon way. And that's enough. That is enough. Um, but we all need to know what these procedures are because they are legal in our country to be performed. So as they said, we've just returned from the US. We've spent three months visiting our son who lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
And while there, I went out twice a week with the Love Life Sidewalk Ministry team at the Planned Parenthood Abortion Clinic. And uh, Love Life is, has been the inspiration for Love Adelaide. Before I go on, I would like to publicly honour Pastor Flip Benham. Um, he leads the team at the sidewalk um, counselling that I went out to at that clinic. And I went to the city clinic, but Flip, he ministers six days a week across the two largest clinics in Charlotte. This picture is from the weekly Bible studies that we had the most amazing time at. I've been following this study for since uh, 2017. So to be able to be there live, it's run by uh, Flip's twin uh, sons, David and Jason Benham. And I highly recommend you download their app, Benham Brothers app, and follow these guys. They are the real deal. They are actually amazing people. Um, they're business guys, but they, um, their, their ministry through their business and through the pro-life is something extraordinary. So it's, it was an honour for our family to get around these guys. Yep, next one. In 1995, Flip set up their office for the ministry uh, which he was leading called Operation Save America next to the abortion clinic in Dallas, Texas. Unbeknown to him, one of the clinic workers was a lady called Norma McCorvey who is actually the real-life Jane Roe in Roe v Wade. So Flip says, and this is very humbly from him because obviously he ministered to her and all the clinic workers, but over time... Um, she came to know Jesus. He says that he, she jumped into the arms of Jesus. Well, I'm sure it wasn't quite as easy as that. And he baptised her in one of his neighbour's pools. Norma had been the poster child for the pro-choice movement and this single event sent shockwaves throughout not just America but the world and I believe the heavenlies as well. In his booklet named To End All Abortion, Flip says... Satan was put on alert that his lies were being exposed and crushed by the church of Jesus Christ. It was the worst news that hell could receive and the best news that heaven could give. The abortion industry had no defence against the gospel. Yes, all hell broke loose and all heaven came down as the gospel of Christ began to penetrate walls of brick and hearts of stone. Next one. So the first, here they are. So the first thing that Flip taught me. Uh, yep. Let's leave it at that one. Yep. So I'm going to go through some things that um, Pastor Flip has has taught me over our time there. The first thing he taught me is that when we allow the theology of of heaven to become biography in our streets, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. He repeated this statement nearly every time we were together. He would also say to me, Miss Jody. Abortion will come to an end in America and Australia when the Church of Jesus Christ makes up her mind it will come to an end and not one second sooner. There were many hard truths he shared with me. At times I had to really search my own heart as to why I was struggling to hear them. We all on some level have been deceived by the relentless propaganda told to us. I encourage you today to do the same if you encounter some of these very hard truths. As I faced them, I searched them out, I repented, and the power of the gospel has set me free to be a bolder witness. Yep, so the next one. Going out to the abortion clinic um, is not for the faint-hearted, I must say. It's spiritual warfare on full display. The clinic has volunteer escorts who wear rainbow vests, 
They carry large umbrellas and instruments to make lots of noise and their job is to run interference with us, to stop us from, from or to stop the mothers hearing from us. Um, our offers of help, information and encouragement to not give up on their babies. When there aren't mothers turning up in their cars, the escorts spend their time heckling, and, and I mean heckling, the sidewalk counsellors. I can't repeat the things that has been said to me. It, it is actually vile, these, what these people say. The second thing that Flip taught me is about the deceived and the deceivers. Most of the ex-escorts are deceived. These young college women recruited by, by Planned Parenthood, they think that they're there to help the women and they believe that the babies are not babies, that, abortion, that the abortions are just removing cells. This is what they would tell me over and over. This would be the same, I would dare say, for most of the women turning up for their abortions. So, and this would also be the case for the 90 plus percent of the, well, reportedly 5,000, but we estimate it, it was definitely over 3,000. People who turned up in our city Friday a week ago uh, to chanting my body, my rights after the overturn of Roe. I don't know if you saw that, but that it was huge. They had as many people as we did at our last Walk for Life. So we've, we've got a lot of work to do to come out. We need to be much bigger than what they are. So we've entered a new era for Australia with protesting over abortion rights um, that it, it's basically not happened up until now. I was actually bragging <laughs> to them saying, we don't have any of this in Australia. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> Here it is. It's, uh, it's been weaponised through the social media. Um, and I did actually hear a story, not and a true story at this, that um, the education union sent out emails to all the teachers um, encouraging them to get along and tell their students to get along to that protest. Hmm. I'm hoping that somebody actually takes them up on that. Surely that cannot be part of their policies and procedures of what they're about. That's, that's just shocking. Anyway, next one, please. So, to, to, so for those people who are deceived, Flip gently reminds them that God loves them and that he has a plan for their lives and being there is not it. He tells them they are helping facilitate the death of innocent baby boys and girls. You know the option, you have an option here, you can turn away. Don't come back, he'll say to them. Jesus example this for us in the way that he spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery in John 8, when Jesus had raised himself up again, saw, that no one, saw no one but the woman, he said to her, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So I was praying uh, for the Lord to give me opportunities with these young women. There were two driveways and occasionally I would be down one end and I'd end up with just one. Any attempt to speak to them when they had another one with them was completely useless. They would attack back together. But alone, it was very different. Um, at that point, <laughs> I would engage them and I had quite a few conversations and no nothing much was said back to me. I would ask them if they knew exactly what was going on in that building. Uh, I would ask them if they knew, uh, have you researched the procedures? Do you know exactly how those babies' lives are being ended? You know, biology clearly shows us now through the advancement of ultrasound, the development of the baby and all surgical procedures um, entails the dismemberment of those children. I'd go on and on. You can just imagine me, right? 
and and I don't I didn't come up to air for air. I was I would not stop until they walked away or that was the end of it. And one one poor girl, I actually said to her, "You're going to remember my Aussie accent, and when you hear it again, you're going to remember our conversation." She said, "I'm never going to remember you." And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm just leaving that with you. And uh, I hope she does. I hope when she hears an Australian accent, I said, you're not going to remember me, but you're going to remember what I said. And I really do. Okay. Okay, next one. So the other group, of course, are the deceivers. Um, And Philip knew who they were. To those women and a couple of men, he spoke quite differently. He has known many of them for years and he knows all about their lives because he, he, um, he engages them and they share with him. He would call them out directly. Um, he would say, you are facilitating the deaths of innocent baby boys and girls. You know exactly what's happening in there and you know the medical waste fans take away the bodies of those babies. You are leading these young women astray. God sees what you're doing and your only redemption is to repent. And it was very strong. When I initially saw it happening, I found it difficult because the words sounded harsh and they were meant to be. Jesus also exampled this when he was speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. Christ knew that if the teacher is a hypocrite, then the student also becomes one. In Matthew 23, um, he condemns the religious leaders with eight woes. He calls them blind guides, fools, vipers, lawless. All of these deceivers at the clinic all twisted scriptures. They all yelled at us with that. It was amazing. They knew a lot of the Bible. One even read from a book, which is what's going on right there. That's a picture of it. She was, she'd read from a book um, com- scriptures that were completely out of context to defend the right of the autonomy of the body, including taking the life of your own child. Because, of course, they're not yet human. That's what she was saying, twisting the scriptures. So that lady with the purple hair, that book had something like a big word God on it and I couldn't, I couldn't see exactly what the rest of it was but what she was reading was completely warped and twisted. So what can we do? And most importantly, what would God have us do? Is this issue something for just people like myself who've heard the call to speak up for the defenceless? It's a big question, isn't it? Next one. So Flip's third lesson taught me that to end abortion, it's a choice that we all are going to have to make because abortion is a gospel issue. It is the physical manifestation of the battle between two seeds, the seed of the serpent versus the seed of the woman, described in Genesis 3, 15. There can be no compromise. Here it is here. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. There can be no compromise, no reaching across the aisle, no common ground. Neither side will tolerate the other. When one chooses life here, he chooses between God and the devil, between life and death. The seed of the serpent is in absolute rebellion against Almighty God and his law. And the mantra, my rights, my body, my choice, and, I, and don't judge me, I'm God. The seed of the woman, on the other hand, proclaims, not my will, but thine be done. I am not my own, I belong to God. We must all choose one side or the other. There is no in-between, absolutely none. When you don't choose, you default, and you don't default to God's side. Who is most responsible for killing of our unborn children? Who will give account for the shedding of this innocent blood in our nation? 
Will it be the government, the abortionist doctors and the staff, the lobbyist behind the abortion uh, agenda, the politicians? Well, the answer might be another very hard truth. It was for me. And Flip's final lesson of all was the hardest. It's the almost forgotten doctrine of blood guilt. Genesis 4, next one. Yep, 410, got it there. And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Blood has a voice and the Lord hears it. Genesis, uh, next one, 9, 5. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. Some uh, versions say accounting. From the hand of every beast I will require it and from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. That's a lot to take in, isn't it? God is aware of every drop of innocent blood that spills and demands an accounting. He has never not in history, and he will not stop now. Once the blood is spilled, we cannot unspill it. Abel's blood cries from the ground for judgment and vengeance. But the blood of Christ speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Hebrews 12.24 tells us this. It cries for forgiveness and mercy. The hope of our nation lies in our repentance from the national sin of abortion. We must claim the innocent blood of Christ to atone for our sin and then rise up to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. This requires an acknowledgement of guilt on our behalf. Most of us don't believe that we are responsible for the abortion holocaust in our land. And if my people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants, and that was babies, to Molech, and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against his family and I will cut him off from his people and all those who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. According to scripture, the one who closes their eyes to this crime is as guilty as the one who actually commits it. Who of us can say that we do not know where and when there are children being killed in our city? Now, you might not know that right at this very second, but I can tell you which hospitals it's happening in right now. Queen Elizabeth Hospital is our main abortion provider now for all surgical abortions. But most other major hospitals are doing this as well. The Pregnancy Advisory Centre down at Woodville dispenses the abortion pills. One's taken there, the second one at home, and that baby will be delivered into a toilet. It is horrendous stuff. And uh, so we cannot pretend that we don't know. So what happens when a nation sheds innocent blood? Well, Psalm 106 is very, very specific about what happens. And you can, I won't read it all, but if you go further down into it, um, it says, And he gave them into the hands of the Gentiles, and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Sobering, isn't it? Can anyone doubt today that God has turned his church in Australia, in fact, the whole of Australia, over to our sworn enemies to rule over it? You know, uh, you know there's all these, you know, we're learning about our constitution and the lack of it. Uh, you know, we're learning that many parts of Australia are owned by foreign uh, countries. 
seaports, in fact, our resources are going everywhere but for our own benefit. So, you know, if this is already happening. We are already into this. This is judgment upon a church and a nation that has forgotten this doctrine of blood guilt. Numbers 35 says, We see that bloodshed pollutes and defiles the land. Atonement cannot be made for the land on which the blood has been shed except by the blood of the one who shed it. Now, that was the Old Testament, but we've got a different way. Until there is a national repentance over the shedding of innocent blood in this land, the mercy from God is being withheld. He has and is issuing judgment after judgment to confront us with our sin, yet we have not yet returned to him. Look at what's going on all around us. It's everywhere, all up and down our coast now. You know, we've got disaster after disaster. This is our God trying to get our attention. We are, are, the question is, are we living under a false sense that God's delay in his final judgment means God approves of us? Four kings after Manasseh were sent signs, judgments and prophetic messages to turn back to God, but they didn't. God's delay was meant to bring them to repentance, not give them a false sense of security. This is a very serious word that I'm bringing you today and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm bringing it to you with fear and trembling. I promise you that there is good news though, that we have this marvellous gift from God called repentance. It saves nations from his wrath and final judgment. So we Christians are the only ones who can call upon God and move his heart. But it is only through our active repentance, turning from our wicked ways, that he's going to hear from heaven. You know, we, we say this scripture all the time, but it's so important for us to know this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. We have example after example of this through the scriptures and more recent history is the US Civil War. That protracted battle brought the nation to its knees and the pulpits of the nation thundered with prayers of repentance over the national sin of slavery. President Lincoln called for a national day of humiliation, fasting and prayer throughout the anti-slavery North. That was on the 30th of April, 1863. And he said this, And in so much as we know that by his divine law, Nations like individuals are subject to punishments and chastisements in this world. May we not justly fear that awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserves us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient 
to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God who made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power and confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Our nation, our beautiful Australia, created and beloved by Almighty God, we too have forgotten his gracious hand. We can no longer pretend all is well. So we all have got to search our hearts. Are they breaking over the brutal tragedy of our children being torn limb from limb in the womb? Are we willing to humble ourselves, confess our national sin to the shedding of innocent blood and turn away from this evil? The enemy has deceived us so badly. It's hidden. It's hidden away. But if these actions that are happening in the abortion clinics and in the Queen Elizabeth Hospital where those instruments are going into the womb and grabbing hold of a leg and an arm and pulling it till it comes apart from the body and then is taken out. If this was happening to our children in a kindergarten or a school, 82 a week, we would already be on our knees. We would already be crying out, God, stop taking our innocent children's lives. And yet this is happening every week. I don't, I'm not saying this to condemn us, but, but we are the answer. Who more than God's people knows when life begins? Who more than God's people knows that God is the giver of life and the only one that can take it? So, and we're the only ones who can turn him back, turn our nation back. We must be the ones to start this. It, it can start right here in this church. This is the, the, you can be the first ones that we can humbly, you know, Get on our knees and pray to God and start this. A national repentance that needs to come across all of our pulpits. Um, But God has turned away wrath for for even down to ten people, ten righteous it was. Moses cried out, you know, for the 50, for the 45, for the 40, 30, 20, 10. We've got more than ten people in this room right now. And together... Um, we, we can cry out to God. So th- this is where I want to finish. Um, but I, I'm hoping that you will join me now. I hope that you um, have this has touched your hearts in the way that it did mine when I was in America. It, it shattered me. You know, I, I went to a whole new level of understanding the depth of, of what, what our role is now. Um, so I would like us all to come in prayer. Um, and uh, would you like... Your pastors, I think we can all do this together. You've probably heard enough from me at this point. But um, this is actually not about one person's uh, voice in this. This is your own voice and our voices coming together. um, Because God, uh, when we come in unity, that's when he'll hear us as well. All right. Let's just pray, everyone. Mighty God, we are so sorry for the shedding of innocent blood, Lord, that has affected our country, has affected so many lives, has destroyed families. Lord God, we pray that there is a new 
spirit of repentance that comes upon our land, upon our churches. Lord, we pray that the people of God will be reminded of their place as a child of God, to cry out for the innocent, to stand in the gap for those that can't stand for themselves, that can't speak for themselves. Lord God, we are so sorry that we have stood by while these things have happened. Lord, and we just pray that we will have a heart, a heart that that cries out on your behalf, a heart that is like your heart. God, for every child, for every woman that has been affected, Lord God, we pray for your healing, for your healing upon their lives, Lord, upon those families, Lord God, and we just, we just repent, Lord God, for not, not being the voice that we should have been for not being your heart and your voice. God, we pray, let this be a new day. Let the things that matter to you matter to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray healing upon our land, healing upon the lives of those that have been destroyed God, we pray freedom for those that they won't carry the guilt of the past, Lord God, that you would set them free. And I just ask if there is anyone here this morning that they would feel the love of God, the love of God that brings peace that surpasses all understanding. Bring your healing, Lord. Bring your healing, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that the blood of Christ covers, covers our sin. God, we just thank you that the blood of Christ does cover our sin and we stand in your grace this morning because of what you have done, because of what you did on the cross for us, which we are so grateful. if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus and wants to know him and wants to know that love that you have an opportunity this morning to ask him into your heart so is that if that is you this morning and you go yes I want to know Jesus I want to have that healing just come up the front here this morning and we'll pray with you that you would know the giver of life Jesus is a life giver. He is not a life taker. He is a life giver. And God, we pray that as a church, that we would stand for life, that we would stand in the midst of the darkness, Lord, that we would be a light to this world. God, that we would bring a message of hope, a message of redemption. Because you have redeemed us. You have redeemed our life from the pit and lifted us up and put us on a rock. And we thank you, Lord. You 
are our Saviour, our Redeemer. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, God, for the things that we have done. Forgive us, Lord God, for not standing for righteousness. And Lord, we pray from this day onwards, Lord, that we would stand for your righteousness, for your truth, Lord God, no matter the cost. That you would go before us, Lord, and we would be able to turn this nation around. around for you, God. We declare it, Lord God. We speak your life over this country, God, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mighty God, we pray your healing power right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we give it to you, Lord God. We humble ourselves before you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We give it to you, Lord. The things that we can't carry, we give it to you, Lord. We hand it over to you, Lord. That you would do what you need to do, God. We pray. Let's just stand against the darkness. God, we just stand against enemy's plans in the name of Jesus. And we pull down those strongholds of death in the name of Jesus. And God, we just stand against the enemy and his lies of deception. And God, we declare your truth. We declare your truth, the truth of your word. God, we just declare it over our nation, God. That we break that spirit of deception, Lord God, that Spirit of death, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, every stronghold is pulled down. May your will be done.